0: I came from a beautiful neighborhood. had a beautiful life. I went to sleep because September 7th was the first day of my high school year. I was gonna be a senior. At 22, I was set to start college. I woke up and my life was never the same again. Cops came out with guns drawn and I never saw freedom ever ever since after that. It's like Roach Motel. Once you get in, you're not getting out.
1: This is Wrongful Conviction with Jason Plum.
0: Hey Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool.
3: Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Annabay. anabay the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's anabe dot Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply.
4: Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80.
1: A true rock star of the innocence movement, Keith Allen Harward, along with his one of his attorneys, Don Salzman of the great firm of Skadden. Keith, you were just a pretty much a regular guy from from the Carolinas, serving in the
5: Navy in uh, in Virginia at the time. Is that right? Yes, I was uh, stationed in uh, Newport News at the time. I was on aircraft care being built at the shipyards there, and uh, that's where it all all kind of took place. Fell
1: apart. As you so, Keith was in the Navy. He had been serving for three years on the ship, um, and it's uh, sort of interesting how you got to that point in the first place. You know, at
5: that time, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and I was kind of involved with all of them. And... Who wasn't? It was the <laughs> 80s, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and and I got tired of that lifestyle. It, was just, it just caught up with me, and I, I needed to change, so I decided one day I'm going to join the military. So I went to the old post office there in Greensboro, and I decided the first door I'd come into, recruiting office, was going to be the door I was going to walk into. And that's the first door was a Navy door. So I walked in there and signed up and uh, went pretty quick. You know, they wanted, you know, well, we, we can delay you for 60 days. I said, no, I want to go. So the next day I was in Charlotte, the Fee's taking the test. And the next day I was sitting in Chicago, Illinois, at boot camp. So, so- it was a matter of three days. I was in it.
1: That's some some radical
5: fixing going on there. I mean,
1: some people like me would have just walked into AA and been yeah. like, hey, I need a little change of life. But you decided to take it to the extreme. Yeah, well, um,
5: I mean, to, to be able to get away from everything, you've got to get away from everything. And, and you know, friends are friends and, come on, man, let's let's go, you know, if I'm away from that, then I can't be influenced. So oh, that sure. was my thinking. I, listen I got out of town and started anew, well... Maybe things would work out.
1: So there you are serving in the Navy and, and a horrible crime takes place pretty close to the shipyard, is that right? Right. It was just only a few blocks away, uh, from the, the gate to the shipyards. And it was a it was sort of like what we would call
5: now a home invasion, right? Somebody broke right. into a home. The husband was killed. And after he was they were in bed together and he, he came in and beat the husband with a crowbar and just Jesus. you know, it just tore him up. And and when he was done doing that, then he Took hold of the, the the wife and, and and sexually assaulted her for several hours. Truly then, horrible situation. It, yes, so, it had to be.
1: So they didn't have any information other than that she had said that the perpetrator was wearing a, a
5: sailor's uniform. Is that right? Right, right. She, so that's what clued them into the the shipyards. You know, because the Newport News shipyards is is away from Norfolk, which is normally where you would find sailors and uh that's what clued him in was the fact that he was wearing a uniform so apparently he had to be on one of the ships or submarines that were there being repaired or built at the shipyard how many sailors were on the ship well, uh, the crew of the of the aircraft carrier were at the air wing somewhere about three to five, but it was being built. So it's probably two to three thousand guys. On a lot the of guys for the cops to
1: try to figure this one out. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, a tough yeah. one. So yeah. months had gone by. Right. And there's a lot of pressure. Right. Nobody right. wants people take it very personally when someone's home is invaded. I know I do. When I read right. a story about that in the paper, everyone can relate because everyone has a home. Right. There's pressure on the cops. There's pressure. They got to they got to solve this. They got right. to get it. And there was even some politicians involved. And let's turn to you, Don, for a second. How did they land on
6: Keith Of these thousands of guys, the rape victim had told the police that during the rape, uh, the rapist had bitten her on the leg a few times, and the police took photographs of these bite marks that appeared on her leg, which were essentially bruises from the rapist's teeth. And so, because the police suspected that one of the sailors on this ship, the USS Carl Vinson, uh, was the rapist, they started looking at the dental records of. Hundreds and maybe thousands of these sailors, and they were trying to narrow down this big group of people to a smaller group. And one of the people whose uh, you know, records they looked at was Keith's. But when they looked at his records the first time, they even took an impression of his mouth. Um, the dentist excluded Keith. They said he, he was among the people who didn't match. And so they kept looking for um you know, other suspects, and that went on for a while. But then um, something
1: happened that led to Keith being, uh, th- to them taking a renewed interest in looking at Keith, even though they had had a, a, a professional, someone who was supposedly certified and would have been, been you know, qualified to give this opinion say that it wasn't him.
5: I had a girlfriend and we had gotten into a fight, and uh, I bit her on the shoulder, and the police took her to the hospital, to check her out and that's apparently when the light bulb went off that you know hey we gotta we got a biter her here you know they were looking for somebody for a long time and then when the police found out and word got to the detectives or whoever uh that's when the, the light came on for them and went on me they pushed it so i would show up at court for two reasons one the victim was in the audience whatever you call it and also, they wanted to get more impressions of my teeth. I didn't know either one of these. After having been brought in on the charge in the first place, you couldn't go
1: back home where you were living with her because you had just had this altercation, and right. she was an alcoholic, and the whole right. situation was crazy. So to, where'd you? So tell the story about <laughs> well, where would well, you go I, to sleep that I night? I had
5: no place to go, so I slept in a dumpster. But, but it was a particular dumpster. Yeah, it was outside. It was a high-end
6: dumpster. Yeah, yeah.
5: They, there was a hat manufacturer there made baseball caps, and they had a dumpster that was filled with nothing but materials, no food or anything in it. It was all styrofoam and, and foam rubber and cloth and that kind of stuff. So it was, you know, it was right outside oh. the shipyard gate. Oh, God. And I would sense. walk by, and I would notice all this material laying on the ground, and I'd stop one time because cheap hats that got the little plastic things that you pop to size them yeah, with. Sure. And I saw them on the ground and mine had broke on my hat. So I went over and picked one up and I just opened the dumpster up and looked and said, man, th- this place is nice. <laughs> I go. wonder why there's nobody else living here, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> there you go. So, so that night I thought, well, you know, I, it, it, that was a close place to go. It was close to the shipyard. It was between the house where I was living at, apartment in the shipyard. So that's where I stayed.
6: Even though... Um, Keith now became a suspect because of this, you know, this bite with his, you know, girlfriend during a fight. He really didn't match the um the description, description right? Profile, of the, yeah. of the that the victim gave because she said that the rapist was 19 years old, 1920 years old, clean-shaven, baby-faced. Keith was 26 years old. Um had a he, mustache, he had right? a mustache. He hair. had a he had a not a beard like, but he had a heavy, you know, uh, five o'clock shadow type, you know. Uh, and the uh, hair
5: the, she said his his head were, hair was reddish. Yeah, and mine was brown.
6: So Keith didn't he didn't match the description. But in a lot of these cases, once the police, and and uh, and law enforcement, you know, focus on somebody, they they don't pay attention to the things that that suggest that uh, they got the wrong person. And and Keith he did not meet the description of the rapist in this case.
1: They've decided they want Keith locked up. They're going to solve this case. We had this bad science, right? We had bite mark evidence, which we now know has been completely discredited. There was a recent study uh, of dentists, uh, forensic dentists and odontologists in which they found that the error rate was 91% junk science, really, yep. we had also another element which was which involved hypnosis, which sounds, I'm sure to the audience, they're going, no, we can't, that, that's ridiculous. You can't have hypnosis in a capital murder case because yours was a capital murder case. Is that right? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that and the element that this hypnotism played. This crime got a lot of publicity and
6: actually, you know, the news media published, you know, it was on TV and radio and this, this shipyard security guard heard the story about a, a murder and a rape that had happened just a um, couple blocks away from the shipyard, and he actually was eating dinner at his home that night and heard it on the radio. And he said to his wife, "I think I saw someone suspicious." So he went down to the police, and they interviewed him, and he told the police that he saw a guy who looked like he was drunk came to the gate to pass through. You know, had to show a badge, but the guy, didn't, the guard, didn't remember you know the name or didn't look at the name, but that the guy. He remembered the guy because he had blood splat, what looked like blood splattered all over his uniform. Later on, six months, during the the next couple months, they hypnotized this guy to try to get more information. And it was not uncommon uh, back in the day for the police to hypnotize witnesses to see if they could remember more. Um, The problem is that that can really ruin someone's memory. It can change someone's memory, the hypnotism. It can have them fill in gaps, say things that they didn't actually remember. Um, And so it's really unreliable, and it can corrupt the whole process. So the shipyard security guard had given a description that was, you know, vague, but he was shown a composite drawing that the victim, the rape victim, had done with a police, you know, uh, artist. And she had said that that person looked 90, she was 95% sure that that's what the rapist looked like or some very high percentage, and they showed it to the shipyard security guard, and he said, yeah, that looks like 75%, like um, the the uh, guy I saw walking into the shipyard. Um, that composite drawing had no mustache because the victim had said that the um, rapist was babyface. But after this guy was hypnotized, he changed his story. He changed the time that he said that he saw the guy. Now it was closer to five o'clock, which matched... You know what the time that the rapist might have been coming back on the ship that's convenient and, and then he later was shown a, a photograph or maybe a series of photos including keith's photo after the police focused on keith and he picked keith's photograph out and said that was the guy that i saw
5: they didn't have anything to go with there was really no evidence in this trial you know there was no fingerprints there were you know there was there was hardly nothing to go on other than this bite mark stuff. That's what they, you know, that's what they were relying on. And, you know, like you
6: said, it was unreliable. Keith actually had sort of an alibi because the victim had told the police that earlier in the day, you know, she was attacked at two o'clock in the morning, but the day before she had had taken her kids to the swimming pool because this was in September um, and there was a guy that she saw when she was getting in the car with her kids who was hitchhiking, and he was a, a sailor, and um, he was angry that she, that she didn't pick him up hitchhiking, so he swore at her and flipped her off. And she then said when she got home from swimming with her kids later, she saw what she thought was the same guy looking over her fence in her backyard, and when she told the police the next day when they you know when they were interviewing her after the rape she said she was pretty sure that the sailor she had seen the day before was her rapist and at the time that she saw the guy the second time looking over her back fence was at 6 p.m. that's what she told the police and at 6 p.m. Keith had an alibi he was at a alcohol education course he had signed in the person who ran the course remembered Keith and verified that he was There in Norfolk, not in Newport News, in Norfolk, at the time that she saw the guy who looked like her rapist, researchers who look at wrongful conviction cases, they identify the same problems that happen in these cases over and over and over again. And there's about six of them that commonly occur. And one of them is, you know, poor representation by defense lawyers. In Keith's case, he actually hit the trifecta in a bad way because he had three of the common problems that arise in these wrongful conviction cases happened in his case junk science misidentification and the third one is prosecutorial and police misconduct that happens in a lot of cases and in Keith's case we haven't talked about that yet except for the hypnosis but there was misconduct by law enforcement in his case
1: right so he he did certainly hit the the wrong kind of trifecta you can't hit it any worse and ended up serving 33 years in prison and let's let's talk about that keith every day's got to be hell but but i mean i don't want to put words in your mouth can you share no with us? no
5: uh, and, and and people always say that you know they can't imagine and it's it's with a good heart they say that but truly they can't you know unless you've been there you just don't you just don't know but uh what got me through was the fact that i knew i was innocent from day one and i'd hoped that they would discover it. Because like I told you before, this is United States of America. People don't get convicted for crimes they did not do. But they do, and I'm one of them. So all through the process of a trial, and even until I was uh, in prison for a while, I was thinking, well, they're gonna figure this out. You know, they made a mistake. They're gonna figure this out. It it didn't happen. But what got me through was the, was the fact that okay, they already convicted me, they put me in prison, but I wasn't gonna allow those criminals, and when I speak of criminals, I'm talking about the, the police officers and the prosecutors, the actual criminals of this case, besides the fella that did it. I wasn't gonna let them exact another second from me. They had me, but they weren't gonna get my mind. And if I allowed them to make me punish myself even farther, or do anything disruptive in my life, even though I was in prison, I was giving them more. And I wasn't gonna give them no more. I wasn't gonna do it. That's like a very spiritual approach. Well, it's a lot of staring at walls and wondering, wow, what what just happened? I mean, again, you can't can't fathom what it's like. It's like, what just happened? It's like a car wreck, you know? Once all the movement has stopped and you're sitting there behind the wheel with the airbag under your chin, you're thinking, wow.
4: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything, for every passenger, feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
0: Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well.
3: Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy, and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's country Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.
7: The National Sales Event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV.
6: So Keith wrote to the Innocence Project, I think it might have been sometime in like 2008 or something like yes,
5: that. Yes, it was right around that time. Right around I didn't time. know they existed. I was in prison. I didn't know these outfits existed. And another inmate said, hey man, your your story is so crazy, why don't you give the Innocence Project a try? Write them a letter. So I, I wrote him a letter and said, hey, you know, there was no evidence. They convicted me on bite mark evidence alone. I didn't do it, you know, and that's basically what the letter was, you know you know, what do you think? Right. Uh.
6: So his letter got to the Innocence Project in New York. Um, but they get letters from inmates all over the country, thousands of letters. You get at least 200 months. Huh? Yeah, they have a backlog of f- several thousand inmates, you know, who've written to them who they haven't yet had a chance or at that point hadn't had a chance to look at. The Innocence Project was looking at bite mark cases because it is junk science. And, and there have been 20... Four now with Keith, 25 people who had been indicted based on bite mark evidence and were later exonerated. So they were looking for cases that involve bite marks. So Keith's file got plucked from the middle or somewhere in the stack and put up to the top for someone to look at. And um, one of the law students, I think, uh, or interns discovered that the evidence from Keith's case was still in existence. You know, the physical evidence, like the- Which is the sort of rape miracle kid, yeah. Always yeah. here. The later.
1: rape kid, yeah. Now you've gotten engaged. The Innocence Project has gone to Skadden, right? Yeah, they Pull, reached
6: out to me because- Which is like
1: bringing in the big guns, Exactly. Right? I
6: mean, And we put together this team, and we started working with the Innocence Project, because um, they'd found the the evidence. It was this little box called a rape- kit that has, you know, swabs from the victim, you know, and, and other uh, evidence that the, the crime scene folks had taken and had been taken from the autopsy and the rape exam. Um, and uh, they were in the process of arranging to have that tested. And, and to their credit, the prosecutor, the current prosecutor um, down in Newport News, agreed to have the evidence tested.
1: That's good to hear. When you were first uh, made aware of Keith's case by the Innocence Project, how long did it take before you realized that you had an innocent man on your hands?
6: You know, I've done a lot of this kind of work. Um, and when we started looking into his case and we read the transcripts and we realized how weak a case of, uh, you know, the, the evidence was, the the only evidence um, that the prosecutors used against Keith was this bite mark uh Expert testimony, which at the time was thought to be an actual science that had validity, that was reliable, and you know a bunch of experts. There were two experts who testified in court and said that,
1: and there were four others involved as well. Four others, and think about that, right? If you're on a jury and you're sitting there and you go wow, this guy's a forensic this and he's got a that. But we know now that it's a, it's really an unregulated uh, uh, sort of practice. It's not certified by any particular. You can be a, a forensic odontologist. odontologist that's what it's called. But basically,
5: you get certified by your friends pretty yeah, you much. You show up at the Sheraton on Friday and on Sunday to give you a diploma. Yeah, it's it's really. Well, it's, here's the thing. I mean, you know,
6: It's terrible. This science was actually developed not for use in court, like in a case for Keith. But when there's like a a mass disaster and they find the remains of victims and included in the remains are, you know, the teeth and the jaw, and then they want to try to identify that person so they think they know who the victims are, but they're not sure who's who, then they can look at dental records. But that's looking at you know, someone's full set of teeth, like 32 teeth in a in, in a jaw and comparing that to x-rays or other dental records. It's very different doing that, which is noble work, you know, pe- people who do that. But it's very different when you try to say, based on a blurry photograph of a woman's shin, um, to look at that where, you know, if someone bites another person, maybe only four teeth make the bite. Mark, or two, or maybe yeah. six or two or whatever, yeah. then to say with almost certainty that the person who bit that victim's leg was Keith Harward is a very different matter. No, I've seen and, a
1: case where they the the, the, ev- the bite mark evidence was the primary cause of the conviction and it turned out later on that it wasn't even a human. It was animal bite marks. Right. The, the victim had been thrown it was in, scar, in a, in a river.
5: a scar. One of the guys testified that it was a bite mark and it turned out to be a scar from wow. the injury. That's that's, but, <laughs> that's pretty... But t- that's what swayed that jury so is when that character, Levine is his name, when he started getting up and giving all his props, he helped Go. He went to uh, Argentina for the Mengele. You know the the Nazi criminal guy. When they found the skull, and tried to identify that, he was involved with that. There was an airplane crash in Hawaii. I think in '79. He went to identify remains there. So he's up there and his arms are waving around, and the smoke starts to come, and the lights and stuff. And you think, wow. We're not in Kansas anymore, no, i.e., the Wizard of Oz. No, this guy's the like jury me. is like, you know, they're sopping up the drool. Sure, like, And if and he says so, the state brought him in. Sure, that makes sense. And if he says so, it it's got be be. to it be, be. And
6: he said it with almost near certainty. He said that there was a very, 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 very high probability that Keith was the person who caused those bite marks. And another expert came in and said, um, there's nobody else in the world, or there's maybe he didn't say the world, but there's nobody else who could have um, caused these bite marks, rather than other than Keith's uh, dental impressions, which means it was Keith.
4: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury, with a reveal unlike any other, as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
0: Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well.
3: National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.
8: Hey Doug Galib here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals. When you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
6: I said before that there was, um, you know, misconduct by law enforcement, um, on the rape kit, um, at the time of this trial and at the time of the crime, they had a serologist, someone who specializes in analyzing blood and other body fluids, examine the samples from the rape victim, including you know vaginal samples, and um, they found um, semen on the victim's thigh and on the vaginal swabs and other swabs that were taken, and they tested it for blood, blood type, because. At the time, there was no DNA testing. This was 1983, his first trial, and then 1986, his second trial. There was no DNA right. evidence of in court.
1: That's a long time ago.
6: So the serologist um, examined the evidence and issued a report, and the report said that on the swabs from the rape kit that um, it was inconclusive, that they couldn't identify on the critical swabs the blood type, and therefore um, it could have been Keith or it might not have been Keith. that, And that's what he testified to at trial. Well, when the Innocence Project and Skadden got involved in the case, we asked for records. And among the records that we asked for, and again, to the credit of the prosecutor, he was agreed to turn over information that had never been turned over before. We got the lab notes from the analyst. So he had issued a, a, like a three-page official report that essentially said no blood typing could be done on those critical swabs but in his notes in his lab notes it showed that he did get a blood type that was not keith's Type o, it was type I'm o a. blood and keith is type a blood so wow he,
5: i just got the chills yeah if that would have been brought up at court well it wouldn't have been a court it wouldn't have been a trial
1: so now you've got your you've got your evidence you've done you've done the the digging right you and your team the innocence project and their team um, you've met with Keith by now, right? And anybody that would meet him knows that he might be capable of telling a bad joke, but that's yes. probably the worst crime that he's going to commit, you know? Um, so so now, w- w- take us to that moment of you know, justice finally being served. Sure. Or-
6: so uh, we had DNA testing done on the evidence that the Innocence Project had found. And the DNA results came back. First, they showed that the rape sample evidence didn't match Keith, um, that there was an unknown male profile um, that didn't match Keith. Then we needed to do more testing because the victim was married and her husband was murdered. And we needed to make sure that the semen samples that were DNA tested didn't belong to him. And there was more DNA testing done. So we, we knew we had an innocent guy all along. Now we had DNA evidence, which... I think you know pretty much conclusively proved that, but we needed to make sure it wasn't matching the husband. And we got the test results back uh, right as we had just filed a petition saying we had you know, preliminary results. and the new testing not only showed that it wasn't Keith's DNA, it wasn't the victim's husband's DNA um, but it showed, whose DNA it was. The police originally suspected that a sailor on the USS Carl Vinson committed this crime. And they were right about that. They were right about that because the DNA matched a guy who was a sailor on the USS Carl Vinson. His name is uh, Jerry Crotty. And uh, after he left the Navy, he went on with his life. Keith was in prison. And he ended up, uh, Jerry Crotty, committing other crimes. And he was in prison in Ohio for an abduction which is another word for a kidnapping. He also had convictions for uh, breaking into houses. Um, and, uh, and he died in prison in 2006, 10 years before his DNA was matched um, in multiple places on the victim from the rape kit, on her clothing. She put on a T-shirt after the rape. His um, DNA was found on the T-shirt. His DNA was found on a towel that she wrapped around her. After the rape, uh, when the police came, she was wearing a towel, and the rapist had put Crotty, now we know his name is Crotty, he had put a diaper, one of his her children's diapers over her face when he was raping her, and his DNA was found on that diaper. So there's absolutely no doubt uh, that he was the rapist. Right. <laughs> now consider her situation now.
5: She thinks the rapist is in prison, me. So she can relax a little bit because he's not going to come back. Right. Years later, 34 years later, she finds out, no, he was still out there running around and could have come back at any time. And she's got to relive this because those criminals in Newport News wanted a conviction, not the truth. So now, all these years later, it comes back up. It's brought. It's like grabbing a scab. She's got to relive that whole rape thing because it's on the news. It's everywhere that I'm being exonerated that I didn't do it. Right, and, and the
1: guy who did this horrible thing to her and still, to her family.
5: He, he, right, could have still been out there and done done more, and he did, but he could have come back. And for that woman, I feel for her. She was re-victimized by those criminals in Newport News by them shortcutting and taking the easy way out by not trying to find the right person. The guy, Crotty, that did it, was AWOL when all this testing was going on about the bite marks and stuff. So what'd they do? Well, he's gone. We ain't got time to look for him. We got the guy. Here he is. Right. Yeah. So, And yeah. that's that's what happens. They're dead, all of them, but the serologists are gone now, the prosecutor, you know. And it's all about ego with them. You know, they they, they get a hold of something. The detective in my case, Spinner, after the— that I was convicted, he took one of the moles and went to a foundry and had brass a brass mole of my teeth made to make a paperweight wow. for his desk. Now, how is that? Yeah. Knowing what he did, to, he knew that I didn't do it.
1: The, he had to know. Keith, uh, uh, you know I'm a big fan of yours, and <laughs> I just uh, uh, I listen to you talk, and I'm I'm frankly in awe. Is there
5: anything else? Any closing thoughts you want to share with the audience? These. Organizations exist, the Innocent Project, and people don't know about them. I mean, you can turn the TV on, and they want uh, 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 Sally Scrothers wants you to give dog, money for dogs and stuff like that. But these organizations aren't, I was in prison and didn't know about the Innocent Project. I had no clue, and I was in prison. Of all places, we should know about these things. So the word needs to get out, and people need to help because my heroes, they get up every day, they, they wash their face, they brush their teeth, and they put the capes on, and they go out saving people. And that's the kind of people we all should be about.
1: Don't forget to give us a fantastic review wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps. And I'm a proud donor to the Innocence Project, and I really hope you'll join me in supporting this very important cause and helping to prevent future wrongful convictions. Go to innocenceproject.org to learn how to donate and get involved. I'd like to thank our production team, Connor Hall and Kevin Wardis. The music in the show is by three-time Oscar-nominated composer Jay Ralph. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at wrongfulconviction and on Facebook at Wrongful Conviction Podcast. Wrongful Conviction with Jason Flom is a production of Lava for Good Podcast in association with Signal Company No. 1.
4: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.